0: We're um, on here. Uh, guys, gals, 10 years. Uh, l- let's clap just for God's faithfulness over 10 years. Um, we've seen salvation come. We've seen uh, sanctification and life change in individuals' lives and marriages mended uh, and rescued. Uh, we've seen refugees cared for. We've seen uh, foster kids. Uh, brought into safe situations, and then returned, and we've seen adoptions, we've seen God's just grace all over. So, uh, praise God. Uh, June 5th, if you are here, please mark it down, 10 a.m., Civic Center, June 5th, we're going to have a blast together celebrating God's faithfulness, and then we're going to have a feast just to celebrate on the back end as well, so that's at the Civic Center right downtown here, Uh, plenty of parking, invite your friends, neighbors, coworkers, it'll be a great time. Uh, as well. And we'll have uh, folks who have helped kind of support the work uh, through the 10 years and and folks who have been a part of the work and, and since moved away, things like that. It's going to be a blast. Also, Chad mentioned it. If you've got a new kiddo in your life, uh, a baby or an infant, or or if you've never uh, dedicated uh, one of your kids saying you're going to raise them uh, up to know and love Jesus, we do those on Mother's Day and Father's Day. So uh, this coming Mother's Day is, is next week. So uh, Uh, husbands particularly please be mindful of Mother's Day and do something to care for your wife Uh, I said that just to myself (laughs) and uh, so if you're interested in dedicating your kiddo um, uh, you you get to meet with Thule and prepare for that and you can either do that on Mother's Day or Father's Day so just uh, ping us uh, at the well with an email letting us know and we'll we'll get you in touch with Thule. One last announcement I wasn't sure if I was going to share this one but I'm going to so we were all psyched about the last building and, and space opportunity, right? We we're like, "Woo, this could be it!" And it looked like it probably wasn't. Uh, maybe it'll circle back. We don't really know. Uh, there's a really amazing opportunity uh, right now that has just uh, kind of blindsided us. We didn't expect this opportunity, uh, and that's all the detail I'm going to give you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, shoot, Uh, we're not at liberty to share anymore right now. We're just investigating it, going to kind of test the waters a little bit. Um, But in that, I mean, it's a really wonderful opportunity. Oh,
1: that's all I can say.
0: Uh, So if you're at home, if you're here, uh, we're just going to ask you to pray. So let's pray and be praying all this week. This week's a critical week uh, for this thing. So uh, would you just pray, if this is for us, if this is what the Lord has, that we could have another 10, 20, 30 years of impactful faithful uh, ministry here for the gospel uh, sinking roots in a permanent space man that he would give this the space that we're praying for to us and if it's not man he would make that clear too okay so uh let's, let's all just pray out loud all at once, and then I'll close us here in a minute. Uh, God, uh, give us guidance and give us the right space. If this is it, give it to us. So uh, like I said, that's all I can tell you. But uh, let's seek the Lord together now and all this week. Let's pray out loud all at once right now. Uh, Father, we've seen you do amazing things by your faithfulness. Uh, ten years of lives changed, and, and then this past year, just an abundant amount of finances towards the right space that you might have for us. And so we just we wait on you uh, again with this one, Father. W- with With this opportunity, would you just give? Would you give us wisdom? Would you give us uh, provision, God? Would you open and close doors if? If doors that are closed, you want to bust through, would you bust through them? If, if doors that are open, you want us to walk through, would you give us faith to walk through them? If doors that are closed are uh, signs of your clarity and, and stopping, would we stop? God, we trust you. We love you. Uh, we want to follow you in, into this opportunity. And, and as you guide and as you provide, we will receive. We're, we're in awe of all you've done uh, without a building, and we know we don't need a building to do the work of the gospel, but God, we pray you would sink our roots here deep in Silver Spring for generations to come, that lives would be transformed, that our kids, kids, kids would know you here at the well and be sharing the gospel with their neighbors and coworkers and friends here, and that many churches would be planted for your glory. It's in Christ that we pray. Amen. Evangelism. We hate that word, don't we? Evangelism. You know, if you're if you're not a Christian, you hate the word uh, because you think evangelism. That's what those Christians do when they make me a non-Christian. Their project. When they try and use me to get their agenda across. Or, or if you're not a Christian, you hate evangelism because you feel judged that, oh man, this Christian thinks he or she is way better than me and has to tell me this thing. And, and they, I can tell it's kind of a, a grudging task for them too. If you're a Christian, you hate the word too, evangelism, don't you? And Because you feel guilty. I'm not evangelizing. We're not doing it enough. Are you feeling that, like, uh, gosh, I don't have what it takes to evangelize? We hate the word. And Peter this morning is going to show us a way better way forward that I actually think uh, not yet Christians uh, love and Christians love this way forward that Peter gives us to simply talk about Jesus So we're going to look at uh, Peter's way forward and we're going to do it by saying, what did they do? What did Peter and his friends do? What did they do? And we'll look at this passage and then then we'll just say, man, what do we do then? If this is all they did, right, then then what do we have to do uh, here in our own lives as we talk about Jesus? All they did and all we do. All they did, all they did was talk plainly about Jesus. They just talked about Jesus. It's all they did. Yeah, one not fancy. Uh, Peter starts off in verse 16 uh, of chapter 2 in Second Peter. He says this, We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We didn't follow cleverly devised myths. You know, the the Romans and the Greeks, they had these amazing stories of of Zeus and all these other gods. They they were cleverly devised and put together, or they had all the answers for every logic path, and, and we didn't do any of that. You know, often I think in our own lives, we just get into our heads way too much when it comes to talking about Jesus. But we think... Man, I can't talk about Jesus because I have to know, what if they ask this? What if they say that? I've got to have all the answers. I've got to be able to share the story of Jesus with, with more uh, skill, an oratory skill than, than a preacher, than Billy Graham. I, I've got to have it all. And we get into our heads and thinking I've got to be so clever. I've got to be so skillful. And Peter says, look, we didn't come with cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power of Jesus and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when we re- he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him in the holy ma- uh, majestic glory. He, he says, we didn't come with these, these clever stories or all, uh, all the answers to every question or any of this kind of stuff. What we did, we were simply eyewitnesses of his majesty all we did all we did was talk about the one who has come and we we just told you what we saw and what we heard we just talked about who Jesus is and what he did that's all we did we, we saw him do certain things and we said, oh, you remember the time that Jesus did this, that that gal came in and everybody was condemning her and he had dispensed grace. Or, oh man, you remember that time when he was with the Pharisees and, and they were trying to be all legalistic about their morality and he shut them up. Do you, do you remember that? He says, all we did was we just witnessed to what we saw him do and say and who he was. His majesty, who he was. And his power, the things he did. We we just told people about him. We weren't clever about it. We were just simply eyewitnesses. He goes on, Peter says, do you remember this time, verse 17? Do you remember the time for when he received honor and glory from God the Father? Do you remember when the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, that cloud in the sky, when the father said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased? We ourselves heard the very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on that holy mountain. Peter goes on to talk about this one specific time because it's a critical time. It's like this shifting of epics when they realize, whoa, God the Father is doing something crazy here we didn't expect in God the Son. You were eyewitnesses to it. He's he's talking about that time of the transfiguration. Uh, Remember, Peter wrote uh, the Gospel of Mark along with John Mark. In Mark chapter 9... Verses 2 to 8, we read about the transfiguration, this moment when they're on this holy hill, Peter will call it, when, when, when the majesty of God's glory, the Father's in this cloud above him, and, and they hear this voice. And, and Peter uh, recounts it along with Mark like this in Mark chapter 9, verse 2. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured before him them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And they were appeared to them, Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. The law, the prophets, Moses and Elijah, the whole story of God coming here. And and Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good that we're here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For He did not know what to say. Well, you probably shouldn't say anything if you don't know what to say. For they were terrified. They were terrified when the glory of their Savior was revealed on that mountain. When they saw God is writing, continuing to write his story of salvation and redemption through Jesus, like he wrote it back with Moses, like he wrote it through the prophet Elijah, and now... Through Jesus. They are terrified, and a cloud has overshadowed them, and a voice came out of that cloud This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. Jesus only. Prophet, priest, king, the one who's going to keep telling the story, the one who's going to bring salvation. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves and they're questioning, what does this rising from the dead mean? They would find out. They would see his glory again in his resurrection, much like his transfiguration. They asked him, why did the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And and Jesus said to them, Elijah does come first, this prophet of old, to restore all things. And how is it written, the Son of Man would suffer first many things and be treated with contempt. But I tell you, Elijah has come. Referring to John the Baptist. And they did to him what they pleased as it is written. Matthew's going to tell the same story. Luke is going to tell the same story, this history of the transfiguration. And they're going to add in the words that Peter's going to really highlight here. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. You can hear the Father thundering from all glory in the the holy hill of heaven, Mount Zion, down to this now holy hill where His Son is on earth and the story of salvation is continuing. This is my Son whom I'm loved. With Him I'm well pleased. Listen to Him. And this epic of salvation history pivots on Christ when everything everyone was waiting for comes in Jesus. And Peter says, all we did was talk about him, who he is, and what he did. And then the next thing we did, we just wrote it down. We wrote it down. Peter says, we, we simply came and we, we talked to everybody about Jesus, his majesty, all about who he is, and his power, all about all that he did. And then we wrote it down. Verse 19 we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. We have this word of prophecy much like Elijah had, much like Isaiah had, much like Moses had, much like everyone we were waiting for who talked about this Savior who was to come and we were all waiting for it. Now it's fully confirmed in Christ to which you will do well to pay attention to as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. He says, what we saw On that hill. It was a a fulfillment of Psalm chapter 2 and and, and all these prophets who talked about one who is going to come is going to be a king much like our King David but way greater. A judge much like our Judge Samson but way greater. A prophet much like Elijah and Jeremiah but, but he himself the very word of God not just telling us the words of God. He says we saw it. Fully fulfilled, confirmed Christ on that holy hill. So don't stay in the darkness anymore. It's like a lamp is shining in this dark place. Everybody looking for hope, and nobody looking to Jesus. He longs for them that the day would dawn, this new day of resurrection in their own minds and hearts, as he talks to them about who Jesus is and what he's done, like a, a morning star that rises in your hearts, the, the, the beginning of forever. Like the voyage of the Dawn Treader, right? In C.S. Lewis' stories, the last book, uh, they're heading to the end, which is the beginning of forever, the dawning of a new day. He says, you'll find that new day in your mind, in your heart, in your life when you embrace the one we are giving you a prophetic word of, fully conformed, confirmed now in Christ. He goes on to talk about their writing, the writing of the old prophets and now the writing of these new prophets, these apostles who saw the resurrected Jesus, were eyewitnesses writing down the scriptures for us, sealed and sufficient. Verse 20, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. He says uh, kind of what uh, Paul will say in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture, it's God breathed the breath of God himself, uh, the Holy Spirit, the pneumatos, right? The wind, the breath of God. Uh, All scripture is God breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man, the woman of God, will be thoroughly equipped for every good work in Christ. He says that no one uh, who's a prophet, an eyewitness account, one who, who knows the Lord himself and writes down the very words of scripture. No one did it on their own. Peter saying, I didn't do it. Paul didn't do it on his own. All these people writing the New Testament, we didn't do it on our own. We were carried by the Holy Spirit. God himself speaking through us. With all of our own character and nuances, it wasn't dictation. But we wanted to write down everything we saw and heard and who Jesus is and what he did. But it wasn't just our writing. It was the very breath of God. And we wrote it down. Notice the pronoun all through the passage. We, we, we. These apostles, these initial men who followed Jesus, part of the 12, who saw his life, his death, his resurrection. And now Peter's even going to include Paul. I love how he says this because Paul sees the resurrected Christ in an abnormal way is how they talk about it. At the end of Peter, here's what Peter says as he's giving these final words down in chapter 3, verse 14. Because as they're writing these things, they're realizing, oh man, God's doing a holy hill kind of moment here. This isn't just me writing, I'm capturing the scriptures for all time. Listen to what Peter says in verse 14 of chapter 3. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot, blemish, and at peace. He's like, man, live a holy life for Jesus as you're waiting for him. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul, who also wrote to you, me me and him, also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. As he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters there are some things in them that are hard to understand which the ignorant are unable un- and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures he says i'm writing to you as an eyewitness a, a prophet of the lord jesus and and also paul is writing to you as as uh, and receive them as you would receive the other scriptures in First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. I just I do want to read this because it's so important for us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Now this is Paul writing, and he says, And we also thank God constantly for this. That when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, this is a letter he's writing, 1 Thessalonians, you accepted it not as the word of men but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. See what Peter and Paul and the apostles are doing is they write down the scriptures and John, they're saying, we are writing to you the very words of our God, capturing who this savior Jesus is and what he did. They saw him, they heard him, just like the prophets of old. And they talked about him and then they wrote down everything about him. When Jesus shows up on the scene, when he talks about the Old Testament and then into the New Testament, uh, here's here's how he talks about it. In Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. He shows up. uh, The disciples are on their way to Emmaus out of Jerusalem. They're walking on this road, and they're still a little confused, uh, even though Jesus has been resurrected. And and they're like, like, gosh, man, what's going on? In verse 24... Uh, They're telling the story uh, to this man who's walking with them. They're not yet realizing it's Jesus. And they're telling him, they say, Some of those who were with us went to the tomb, and they found it just as the women had said. But he, Jesus, they didn't see. And Jesus said to them, Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken Was it not necessary that the Christ would suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. You notice what Jesus is doing here He'll he'll kind of reiterate again in verses 44 and 45. After their eyes have been opened around the table as they're eating, he he says in verse 44, uh, and I wish I was there for this conversation, he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, it must be fulfilled. And he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that Christ would suffer on the third day raised from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all generations, beginning in Jerusalem. Aren't we glad they wrote it down? <laughs> Aren't we glad they wrote down all they saw, all they heard of their Savior and our Savior? This is all they did. They they first they just talked about Jesus. They just talked about him. And then they wrote down everything they saw about him. So what do we do when, when it comes to when it comes to sharing the news of our Savior. You see, this isn't, it's not about evangelism and all that's tied to uh, uh, that, that word uh, in, in a way that's become stuffy or a negative connotation, right? It's not about being an evangelical and all that's uh, attached to that word now about uh, being a, more about a, a voting block uh, than, than about proclaiming the risen Savior, about uh, talking about the one who has transformed your life about not being able to shut our mouths about the one who's our glorious Savior, who when you were running headlong away from him and you were just headed towards disaster in the pursuit of your job for all purpose and security in your life, he said, no, 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 don't do that anymore. When you were running into a licentious life of, uh, in sexuality and promiscuity, he says, man, don't do that anymore. When you were headed to wherever you were headed and he came and he rescued you and the dawning of the morning sun took took place in your heart man it's about talking about him it's about talking about the one we love and know and we kind of go in reverse order don't we you know they saw him then they wrote it down well for us then we gotta go first we gotta read what they wrote to meet the living jesus we first have to meet the living jesus in the written word of god First Peter 1, it's one of my favorite verses. You know, Peter writes these two letters, and, and in the first letter, he says it this way. Though you, you look, we haven't seen him. <laughs> though you've not seen him, you love him. And though you, you do not now see him, you believe in him. And you rejoice with joy that's inexpressible. You're filled with the glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We've not seen him, so how do we know him? How do we love him? How do we embrace him? How do we rejoice over the salvation, the hope that he gives? In the written word, the firsthand account of who our Savior is and what he's done. We don't make up who Jesus is, we meet him in the living word of God. And then watch the morning star rise in our minds and hearts as the Holy Spirit comes in, regenerates us, gives us life, salvation, hope, purpose, peace. And then, gosh, wouldn't we tell everybody? Wouldn't we tell everybody? What do you love about Jesus? What do you love about Jesus? Do you love uh, kind of looking back and seeing how he rescued you? Do do you love there's this moment in your life, even when you were following him, and you had just still made a disaster of your life, and he poured a ton of grace and mercy? Do you love the fact that though you hate just this injustice or this thing that happened to you in your life and and how it deeply scars you, do you love the fact that he has walked with you in patience and kindness, carrying you in your sorrow and suffering? Do you love just the tons of blessings he's pouring on your life through, through your job, through relationships, through just good, deep friendships? you just say, praise God, Jesus, you, you didn't just give me salvation, you poured your grace and your mercy abundantly. What do you love about your Savior? He's living and alive with you, walking now. And see, two of our biggest barriers for talking about him is that we're scared and we don't know what to say. We're scared, right? That's barrier number one. Well, if we get into the word, here's what we're going to do. We're going to meet the living Jesus, our Savior, the creator of the world. We're going to say, that's the guy who's with me now when I go into this conversation. That's the guy who's with me. When, when this comes up around the lunch table or, or when I'm uh, drinking a beer with a good buddy and, and I don't want to say anything, but then we remember, oh, what a mighty present Savior I got. I'm scared. I don't want to say it when that moment arrives we remember that's i i met him in the word i know who he is and we don't know what to say right but that's because again we're not meeting him in the word knowing who he is watching him transform our life we'd have plenty to say if we knew him and he transformed us one of my favorite parts i i was a young adults and, and singles minister for about seven years in dallas um you know, they got these huge churches there, so they kind of divide all the uh, people in different places and and have uh, pastors over each one uh, of kind of uh, uh, affinity groups, and and, and so I, I got to be a singles pastor, which meant uh, which meant, truthfully, if I'm being honest, everyone wanted out of my ministry, you know. And one of the coolest parts was seeing a, a man or woman who who was was seeking a, a mate in life uh, meet him. That was just one of the best. (laughs) And here here was this cool moment. I kind of, you know, matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. You know, I got to do that a little bit. It was before the internet, you know, I'm that old. And one of my favorite lines was, ah, you got to meet her. Oh, you got to meet him. It's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, there's this one couple, RD and Emily. It's one of my favorite couples. They're just a fantastic guy. I got to hang out with them uh, a, a couple months ago and, and see how well they're doing. And, and I, I, I had this little kind of warmth in my heart. I'm like, I introduced them. <laughs> I kind of get credit for this, you know. I get no credit for it. But, but it's one of my favorite things. Oh, you got to meet him. Oh, you got to meet her. See, here's the gap in our, quote, evangelism. Maybe you're not in love with Jesus. Or maybe you're not in love with other people. So you're not having that moment where you're like, oh man, I love this neighbor, this coworker, this friend. I love this savior. You got to meet him. Oh, you got to meet this guy. You gotta, you, Jesus, you got to meet this gal. And you introduce the two of them. See, I think uh, too often we're all about pushing the morality of Jesus on people before we help them meet Jesus. Uh, Here's some ways then we can begin talking plainly about Jesus. Just a couple nuts and bolts, and then we're going to hear from Ana Luisa. The first is this just everyday life. Uh, I was out for a run. It's just in everyday life, whatever Jesus is doing in your own mind, heart, life, however he's at work, when you're meeting him in the scriptures, he's transforming who you are, he's, he's meeting you and changing you, it's just in everyday life you bring this up, right? He ought to be transforming our everyday life. And so I'm out there running, it's, uh, it's January, and I'm like, all right, I'm getting in shape, and I'm kind of uh, taking this up a little bit, and, and this guy, uh, a good friend of mine, is out there uh, walking, and he's, he's slimming down too, and I'm like, oh man, great to see you, and he goes, great to see you too. I'm like, you're looking good. He's like, you're looking good too. I'm like, thanks, thanks, and then, and then he's like, how's your new year going? Actually, it's going great, I'm trying to exercise again, I say. And I'm trying to really actually reorient all my life again. You know, I've, I've, I try and, this is, I know it'll sound weird, but I try and spend time with Jesus and reading, reading the Bible. So I'm putting that in the morning every day. He's like, oh. <laughs> but I really want my whole life to kind of be shaped by who he is and the things he says. And so that's what I'm doing. Hey, all right, see you later. See you later. We run. Right, we have a relationship with a living Jesus and we talk about it. We don't hide our relationships with people we love. We don't hide the stuff we love, do we? I mean look, if you're, if you're a Republican or a Democrat, everybody probably knows it here, right? Because we love it. it. Saturates everything we do. Or you hide it because you're like, oh, that's gonna bring up some terrible conversations. <laughs> We don't hide the things we love, the sports teams we love, the people we love. We talk about them. Transparency, here's the next way. Just to talk plainly about Jesus. Transparency. Uh, How are you receiving Jesus' forgiveness in your life these days, right? We don't like to do this one, particularly in D.C. Like we like to keep a wall up, right? But transparency looks a lot like this. Uh, My neighbor uh, comes over. He's a real estate guy, and he goes, Hey, I'd love to help you. Uh, your church find a building. I'm like, cool, yeah, let's do it. And so anybody who's really there, I'm like, yeah, please look, right? And, and so uh, he goes, how you guys doing with that? And this is a year or so ago. And I'm like, I'm pretty anxious about it. And I know I shouldn't be like, I, like we're trying to find a building right, that, the, that the Lord would provide for us, So So like, I, I realized like, Jesus is going to give us this thing when he wants to in his timing and provision. Uh, so I'm just asking him for forgiveness and, and trying to look for a building. And he's like... Oh, cool. I had this other time, a friend of mine, we're sitting around the fire pit. He's like, how you doing? I'm like, ah, truthfully, I've just been treating my wife poorly, and I'm not, I'm not feeling good about it. He's like, oh. And we talk a little bit about that. And he's like, man, me either. I need help in that too. All right, transparency. Just be transparent. How are you receiving the grace of your God these days? Being transparent. Next one, uh, questions. Ask questions. Less talking, more asking. Uh, because when we ask questions, there's this uh, document, you, you probably use it, you know, please pick one up on the way out, this to whom, how document, and, and on, the, on the back is this idea of share your story, but after hearing their story, right? So uh, hear their story of, uh, of what do they believe about God, or, or what... what, what What does their upbringing look like, their family of origin, or or what do they think about their work and their workplace? Just asking questions to see kind of where is the good news of Jesus, good news to them specifically. And over time, sharing our own stories, but really just asking questions. Uh, I had a a friend just recently, he he goes, he's telling me about his upbringing a little bit, we're just hanging out at the, uh, the bus stop and... And he goes, yeah, I'm kind of having a crisis of faith these days. And I'm like, bing, <laughs> crisis of faith. And I say, sometime, can we grab some coffee and talk about that? I'd love to hear more. I would love to hear more about his story. So I like, he's having this crisis of faith. I want to hear about kind of where crisis is. I'll share some of my crisis areas too. And, and we do, we grab, we grab lunch actually at one of my favorite places. Had a good sandwich together and, and just got to hear a bit of his story. I loved the guy and grew more in love with him as I heard more of his story, as he shared about his crisis of faith. And I also heard a little bit more of how Jesus would be good news to him. And he got to wrestle with a little bit how Jesus might be good news with him. Because, man, I love Jesus and I love this guy too, man, I want them to meet each other. Uh, here's another one I just say, hey, uh, can I pray for you? So, somebody will be sharing uh, this happened to this gal. She's like, Man, I'm heading towards a divorce. And I said, Oh, man, anyways, we can support you in that. I, you know, I'd love to see you guys stay together. And she goes, You're the first person who said that to me of all my friends and family. I said, Man, I, I'd love to kind of walk with you in any of that. This is just a neighbor, right? This is just a friend. And, and then I said, Hey, would you mind if I prayed for you too? And she's like, Yeah, I certainly would love your prayers. And I said, Can I pray for you now? <laughs> She says, yeah, I love that. So I just prayed, Jesus, please be a comfort to this gal and walk with her in this. And pray a little bit of the gospel, right? The good news of who Jesus is and what he's done. We'll skip down to integrate our lives. We integrate our lives, our friendships. See, we got, we got church friends and we got like friend friends, right? How about they meet each other and we hang out together? So our friend friends and our church friends become our friend's friends. All together. And look, your Christian friends are probably going to say some dumb things along uh, with your non-Christian friends. And your non-Christian friends are going to say some dumb things to your Christian friends. And it will get ugly sometimes. But man, it gets fun too to watch the gospel get into those conversations. This is all we do. We talk about the one who's changed our lives. As we get to know him more in the scriptures, and he keeps changing our lives. Now, The love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us. Uh, you, you know, this, this happens all over the place in our normal life. We, we say neighbors, coworkers, and friends, the people around us. But also, we, we here at the well, we're going to take some mission trips, and we're going to kind of keep ramping those up. Uh, uh, opportunities to engage with folks who are doing great work to care for, love, uh, particularly national leadership uh, on the ground uh, within local churches that might bring holistic care to the areas and also bring the whole gospel. To those who don't yet know Christ. Uh, Why? So we can tell people about the one who's changed our life. Uh, We're going to send a team of seven to Kenya in a couple weeks here. So uh, can you clap up Ana Luisa? Uh, She's just going to share a minute or two. Uh, So Ana Luisa is just going to share, you know, how has Jesus changed her life? And then how are they going to share the gospel, the good news? Because, man, this is it. we got to share the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done
1: everybody. Um, I'm Ana Luisa. I'm so happy to be here um, with you. Matt asked me to share a little bit. So um, he asked me to share a little bit very shortly about my story. So I was um, a person that I thought I was generally a good person. Um, I wasn't doing anything too wrong, but I was very involved and just seeking. I knew the Lord since a little kid, but I didn't really have a personal close relationship with him. I was after my comfort, after my leisure, and I thought I could just put in a request to God if I needed to when things got hard. And that was kind of my story for a long time. And along the way, amid some very bad decisions, um, disobedient decisions, um, and they finally caught up with me. And um, I finally entered that period of very long and hard and sadness and so I called out to God (laughs) and he didn't condemn me he didn't shun me or make me feel bad he rescued me and it makes me it makes me want to cry because I'm so thankful because I was really lost Um, and he showed me that everything that I need is in him and all of that peace that I needed Um, is in him and the fact that I'm even standing here able to talk to you like this um, is an amazing thing Um, and I see whoa God you really are transforming and have transformed my life. Um, So Matt also asked me to share um, what I still struggle with and how God meets me in Christ and so when we become Christians our life doesn't necessarily get any easier. Um, It gets a lot more peaceful and joyful, but sometimes, well, oftentimes, and he tells us that our life is still gonna have ups and downs. So um, it's a process, as many of you know, day to day, and so I have to keep repeating the gospel to myself. So um, what do I still struggle with? Right now, in particular, um, it's finding approval of people's opinion of me, specifically right now for me, it's in my parenting. Um, What do people think of me as a mom? And not only other people's opinion of me, but my own opinion of me (laughs) and my own standard that I set for myself, am I good mom? Am I keeping up with what everybody's supposed to do? Are my kids involved in a million sports? And blah, 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 blah. And so it's a constant thing um, and so how does God meet me in Christ? It's through the gospel, and it's through repeating it to me all the time, many times a day. And Matt and the church gave us this book. I highly recommend it. It's tiny, tiny. But there's um, a blurb in the back. Um, it's based on um, First Chronicles. And so this is kind of what I tell myself, and it's repeating the gospel to myself, and it's that it doesn't matter what anybody's opinion is of me. It doesn't even matter what my opinion of me is, my standard of me that I always think I have to meet. What matters is the Lord's opinion of me. And he sent Jesus. Jesus went on trial for me, and the verdict is in. And he, um, it's, he says in his word, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Um, and he sees me as his precious child in whom he is well pleased. And that I repeat to myself many times a day. Because then I get to be me. I get to be quirky me. I get to be weird, crazy me and just be me without fear of, gosh, did I say something right? Did I tell that neighbor something okay? Did I not do it right? Blah, blah, blah. So you see my craziness in my head, but that's what it is. It's a day to day thing. So I'm so thankful for Jesus. I love him, love him, love him. And because of that, I I do, I tell my neighbors about him. I tell my friends about him. I can say like, hey, can I pray for you? I would never in a bazillion years do that a couple of years ago. I was just too scared. And now I do it because I want to. (laughs) Because I love Jesus. So we're going to Kenya and I'm super excited about it. It's my very first missions trip. I've been all over the world but I've never been on a missions trip. Um, So we have these cool t-shirts have signs, which I don't know what they mean, but the pastor there is going to tell us because it's culturally appropriate for these signs mean something to them. So we're going to learn about that. But something we are taking are these little bracelets. Um, and these little bracelets, uh, they are the gospel, which we can share with kids, with adults. and basically, It gives us an opportunity to start conversation with kids, and they're free, and so, like, who doesn't love a free bracelet? (laughs) So basically, it it is the gospel. The dark bead represents um, our sinful hearts, things that we do and say um, that do not please our Lord, who is holy and wonderful and wants, you know, wants a relationship with us. The red is the blood of Jesus that was shed, um, to clean our hearts, to pay for our sins, to bring us back into relationship with God. The white is the peace that we get when we um, accept salvation and our life dramatically changes. Um, green is, uh, reminds us of a tree in life, and that's what our life becomes in Jesus. Um, it bears fruit so that other people can see who our glorious God is and how we've changed, and yellow reminds us of treasure because salvation is a treasure that we need to share with everybody else because people are dying without knowing Jesus. And so we're excited to share these with um, people in Kenya and would really appreciate your prayers as we go out there. And um, that's it. Thank you very much. <laughs> for Thank that you, Sharon. Ah, that was good. Thanks.
0: Uh, You know, it might be guilt of saying, gosh, I'm not like Ana Luisa, I don't want to share and I haven't been sharing. Uh, It might be uh, some sort of shame in your own life or or your apathy in your relationship with Jesus that's kind of keeping you from sharing. And every week we're reminded, oh, what a great Savior we have, who ran towards us. In our sharing and our not sharing and our apathy and our shame and our brokenness and all of it, he ran towards us. And we've seen him transform our lives by his grace. His body was broken, his blood was spilled. And then he rose again to make us sons and daughters of his. So let's take, eat, and remember again. He's not pleased with us because we share a whole bunch or or he's not uh, shaming us because we share a little bit, but he says, I love you and you are mine. Let's take and eat together.